Hi, and welcome to The Caption Life, a show for the most casual and dedicated fans of comics and a member of the Comic Watch family. I am your host, Sean. Join me and discover what the world of comics and graphic novels has to offer. From one-on-one interviews with industry professionals to roundtable discussions with passionate fans and reviews on the latest comics, TV shows, and movies. You can find me on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find more episodes and information at thecapsonlife.com. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the show. When it comes to comics and the things that we love about them, one of the critical parts of comics and stories are the characters. And and the thing that we love about the characters is what makes up their identity and personality. And a lot of times we see that a little bit of ourselves in those people and those characters. And we can also talk about what makes up their identity in terms of ethnicity, in terms of religion, in terms of race. A lot of things that really makes the character who they are. And so in today's episode, I would like to talk about Jewish representation in comics. And I asked somebody to come on our show who I think is an expert in this area, um, given her educational background. So please welcome Sasha Kaplan. Sasha is a comic book historian and pop culture commentator, having recently completed her master's degree in history. Sasha often speaks on Jewish representation in the comic book industry at comic book conventions and private events, including the Hillel's universities and high schools. Shasha, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoy having you. Uh, we were, you know, chatting right before we were recording, and I feel like I could just have a conversation with you for hours. Like, you know, very <laughs> friendly, and I feel like it's never boring. We always just, you know, it's like a just a natural conversation that we have. It's like a stream of consciousness, and I really enjoy that. Um, and congratulations to you getting your master's in history. I know you've been working hard on that. You're part of Comic Watch as well, too, which is yep. how we know each other. And you've been sharing with us, you know, that whole journey and history of you getting that degree. And so I want to say congratulations to you on that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. It was, uh, you know, I basically, I think like even back in August, I told everybody in comic watch, I was like, guys, I am, I'm I'm not here. I'm, I'm, (laughs) I am dead to the world. I don't, I couldn't do anything. The thesis took up like my entire life, literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No. And we completely understood. Like it's, it's, it's definitely not an easy journey to do that for any, you know, degree, but you know, with master's degree, you kind of have to, you know, lock yourself in a room and, and try to get that done. So um, in your bio, I wanted to um, ask you, because I don't think everybody knows what this is, but you say that you speak at Hillel's. Um, do you want to share with us what a Hillel is? Yeah, that's a great question. So a Hillel is, uh, so Hillel International is like an, inter- I think they're an international organization um, that provides college students that are Jewish um, with education opportunities to like um, have events with different speakers. They do Shabbat dinners and holiday services that are um, usually like reform or conservative, um, not necessarily orthodox, something like another organization. Chabad does that. Um, but they're kind of a resource for the Jewish community on the campus mm-hmm. um, to just have a place to go to be Jewish and to practice Judaism. Yeah. And, and eat food. <laughs> I I feel like anytime there's a college organization, you have to provide food. Otherwise, students won't come. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> the benefit here, though, is that these are dinners that the Halal hosts. Like, I mean, Chabad does, too. Like every Shabbat, which is like, you know, sundown on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, So it's a good time to just like put away your phone 
and to be there with your fellow Jewish communities, um, whether you're on campus or not. And just like, you know, you do your prayers and services and then you have food and it's it's a good time. Right. Yeah. And, and a lot of um, I know the, the bigger state campuses, at least that, that I um, have worked at or visited, they all have um, Hillel centers that, you know, they. They're definitely in a uh, particular building, but they go out and do stuff on the campus all the time and everything. Um, so if you go to a, a larger state university, they're definitely uh, have a large presence there. Um, one of the things that you have brought up is, is I know uh, my own background and we talked about this before we started recording is that, you know, I grew up Catholic. I actually have a undergrad degree in Catholic studies and I'm not Catholic anymore, but um, this you- is basically Daredevil and Kitty <laughs> Pride having a conversation, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah. Want to be Nightcrawler? Like, <laughs> oh, it's it's definitely Daredevil. Like, I would definitely okay. do Nightcrawler, but I I definitely have to ta- uh, tap into Daredevil. Especially, I I, I don't want to go too far off the rails on this, but like <laughs> at some point, I need to have a conversation about when we say Daredevil's Catholic. Like, what does that actually mean? And it's and because you know, like Matt Murdock is a little bit of of you know he he, he sleeps around and stuff like that. You know, and, and like in the Catholic Church, that is not something that you do before marriage. <laughs> And so, but, you know, everyone identifies him as, you know, he's a Catholic and he's a devout Catholic, except for when it comes to that, apparently. So, but, um, but yeah, so, um, one of the things that when I was growing up is uh, at the university, like they have campus ministry stuff. And it sounds like Hillel might be kind of like that where, um, that where they provide some sort of just like what you said, like, you know, religious services and resources and things like that. But you also mentioned earlier that there was an, another like organization that does something a little bit different than that. Is that right? Yeah. So, okay. So bear in mind, I'm not an expert on this at all. <laughs> That's I, <am> fine. <laughs> not, I don't work for Halal. I don't work for Chabad. Um, right. But so Chabad is like more um, Orthodox Ju- Judaism. So they're a little bit more stricter in their religious observance than Halal would be. Um, and they are usually, Chabad is an, also an international organization, but they mm-hmm. are not necessarily only on the campus. They do a lot of community work, whereas Halal's, I think, are majority, if not all of them, are on the campus. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so Halal's also, just like Chabad, they have their own rabbi, um, to help conduct services and do stuff. Um, at least as far as I know. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. No, that makes sense. Thank you for explaining that because I, I knew what a Hillel was, but I know a lot of people, and I'm at you listening, may not know what it is. I want to make sure that people, you know, got at least a little bit of understanding once we start talking about that. Um, and what's interesting is that, um, Kevin and I did a, uh, episode of like famous places that inspired things in the comics. And uh, the headquarters for the Power Rangers show that came out, I think, in the early 90s was based on I, I can't I don't know if it was the Hillel building, but it was definitely a building that was on a um, Jewish college or Jewish campus somewhere as well, too. So I think I'm pretty sure it's a Hillel Center, um, but I could be wrong about that. So um, I don't think I know. what You know, I think this is one of those things where we should probably Google it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and verify. Yeah, because um, I don't know. I know that it was a building on a campus of some sort. Yeah. Um, but I don't I don't think it was specifically Jewish, but I I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, but just to preface, Halal doesn't just do religious stuff. They do also do a lot of like they do like speakers that come to the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, they recruit for like trips to Israel. Um, so they do a lot of stuff that's just like not not just religious services. Right, right. Yeah. But so does Chabad. So it's a lot of just like community outreach mm-hmm. and, you know, fostering a uh, Jewish community on the campus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
uh, I'm trying to look up real quick. And I mean, it's uh, it's I'm probably not using the right phrase for it or anything like that. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll, look, I'll look it up a little bit later. We'll kind of figure that out. So I, I know there was uh, I remember when we did it, there, there was some sort of uh, Jewish connection there. I just can't remember if it was like a Jewish Found college it. or. Oh, OK. What is it? What is it? <laughs> the Simi Valley. The building is called the House of the Book. It is located on the American Jewish University's Brandeis Barden campus in Simi Valley, California. So I don't know what that's American what that is. Jewish universities. Yes. <laughs> so, OK, so now we know. Yeah. So anyways, we kind of got off track there. A little bit, <laughs> And that's totally my fault. I am sorry about that. <laughs> um, but thank you for ex- explaining Hillel and like, you know, some of those differences, because I think sometimes, you know, at least um, specifically for me as well, I, I when I went to college, I did take a few uh uh, courses in Judaism that was taught by uh, a rabbi. And it was really insightful to know, um, you know, some of the preconceived notions I've had about uh, the Jewish religion, but also some of the differences and assumptions I made about uh, Judaism based on my own upbringing in Catholicism, things like that. And so I know there's a lot of stuff that kind of gets warped because of those things. And so um, it was really interesting to hear you talk about Hillel, how it's, you know, not just, you know, kind of like the campus ministry stuff, but they also do a lot of programmatic things as well, too. So that was really good. To hear. I mean, any Jewish organization that's on the campus tends to do kind of a little bit of everything, particularly right. Hillel and Chabad, um, just because it's important that all students, whether they are very, very religious or they are maybe not as religious, but still want to, you know, keep their faith and do services, have those opportunities. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Good. Well, thank you very much again for joining the show. So we're going to talk about Jewish representation in comics. But before we get into that, I like to ask our guests the same question. That is your comic book origin story. What got you into comics? Oh, okay. So this is like, this is complicated. (laughs) (laughs) That's fine. It's not not a straightforward story. And this is actually in my thesis. But I, you know, when you do a dedication or something, Mm -hmm. you do like, you know, like you want to, uh, not a dedication, but the other one, like you're giving notes and thanks to like um, people. Oh, and like recognition or something like that. Yeah. 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 Acknowledgements. Yes. That's it. That's there it. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and so the acknowledgement as I had many acknowledgements, but one of the ones that I had was uh, a thank you to my parents for making the mistake of buying me my first comic book, <laughs> which was not a superhero comic book. Ooh, cool. It was Tom and Jerry comic book. Oh, it's awesome. <laughs> um, there's like a picture of me sitting on um, the beach on a rocky beach, like no sand. Uh-huh. So super comfortable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and like my little bathing suit and these big sunglasses are reading um, this comic book. Uh-huh. And then, you know, once I sort of grew a little bit more confident in my reading, I guess I moved on to like bigger books and everything. Mm hmm. But then I had friends as I grew older in like middle school who like try to get me to like like anime. And so I read a couple of mangas Mm -hmm. and then high school happened and my high school library actually had a comic book section. Nice. And it was sort of like it was tucked away inside the librarian's office, but you could like go in. Um, But I think the superhero obsession started in the 90s, as most things do (laughs) for millennials, which was the 90s, you know, X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons and then Batman, the animated series and then Teen Titans. (laughs) Um, And so all those were all of the characters that were sort of floating in my head as I'm Mm -hmm. sitting in my high school library 
reading all of these, you know, Ultimate Spider-Man and X-Men comics and Captain America comics. And then I remember picking up this one comic. It was called Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. And I remember just laughing my butt off at it. <laughs> like, oh, this is just a Marvel rip off Teen Titans. And I just like put it back on the shelf and forgot about it. Right. And then after a while, I, I just caved and I said, okay, fine. I, I will pick up this ridiculous looking comic book called Young Avengers <laughs> written by this guy named Alan Heinberg. And I was already like into comics by then. Right. But this is where the comics became more than just, I'm going to casually read this. This is like the moment where they became like a lifestyle choice. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I definitely own Alan Heinberg and Jim Chung a big thank you for for, releasing Young Avengers so that I could begrudgingly (laughs) read it and fall absolutely in love with the characters. That's awesome. I love hearing that. That's Well, and it's very unique because I don't think I've had anyone say... Their first comic was a Tom and Jerry comic or I mean, now I think about like a non superhero type of comic, but of all non superhero comics, like I thought you were going to go along the ways of Archie or something like that, because that was the next thing that came to mind. But Tom and Jerry that you can't go wrong with that. So. um, So, yeah, that's that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. The thing is, is so I was born and grew up part of my life in Russia until I immigrated to America with my family. So I don't oh, know okay. if they were actually like released in the United States. I looked on eBay once and there were Tom and Jerry comics, right? but obviously I didn't read them in English because I didn't speak your English, let alone read English. Right, um, so right. it'd be interesting to, to, to see if I could find like the English equivalent of the comics I read as a five-year-old. Oh, <laughs> that'd be fun. Them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember like what the issue was or, or the year or anything? So you would have to so like try I to was, find the cover issue, like the I'm image. I say what year it was because we're not we're not playing that game. Right, right, no, no, no. No, I, I just meant when the when the but issue came out. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> I honestly don't know. I probably cannot even tell you, like off the top of my head, where my dad got the comic. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, just know that it that's that's where it started. <laughs> no, I love that. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. And I love the fact that it is part of your thesis for your graduate degree as well, too. I think that that's a and lot I of fun. I think it's really verbatim. Cool. It says that, you know, thanks mom and dad for making the mistake of yeah. buying me my first comic book. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great way to put it, too. (laughs) Well, because I think a lot of our parents, you know, constantly talked about how like, oh, you know, comic books are just for kids and Mm. like or, you know, it's just pictures. There's nothing to read. And then. (laughs) Yeah. Lifelong obsession begins. (laughs) (laughs) And now you wrote your senior uh, or I'm sorry, not your senior, but your thesis on, you know, comic book uh, history or um, I'm sorry. Judaism and comic books. <laughs> you write no, for Comic Watcher. It, no, it was oh, was it? Oh, okay. No. So my my thesis was much more macabre than that. It was about death. But, oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry, sorry. But still, still, still cool. And you know, I've been writing and talking about you know Jewish comic book shenanigans right. since I don't even know how far back. <laughs> right. Right. Well. I mean, I I love listening to you talk about that. So that's I am totally fine with that. So I apologize. I had I thought that you had said that you and, and that it was about comics and and Jewish um um Jewish identity or something like that. So I must have either made that up in my head or something like that. So I apologize. Well, that was part of an article I wrote for Com- that was basically the premise of the article I wrote for Comic Watch in August. Oh, maybe that's and- what I was thinking of. Yeah. I am giving a presentation at Galaxy Con Richmond in March. Oh, cool. Um, 
on the subject of um, Jewish representation in comic book adaptations. Oh, that's so awesome. Awesome. Thank you. That's, you know, that's so great. So I had a list of questions that I wanted to ask you in terms of comics, but I was just thinking about this. We probably want to um, talk a little bit about Judaism. And so I know that, you know, I'm probably throwing you a curveball a little bit because I didn't give you a question ahead of time, but um, I thought it might be good because we were talking about Hillel's and, and uh, misunderstandings earlier. Maybe what are some of the common things that people uh, may misunderstand about Judaism? Like, for example, I know one of the biggest things have been that people don't realize that, you know, Judaism is not just religion, but it's also ethnicity. Um, and so people don't, you know, don't understand or realize that is, you know, part of what uh, makes someone Jewish as well. And so um, is there anything before we go into, you know, the representation of Jewish uh, people in comics that we might want to be mindful of or kind of keep in mind as we're talking about this when it comes to Judaism in general? So first, that is the biggest. (laughs) That's like the like if I like, look, if we're going to talk about misconceptions people have about the Jewish people, we mm-hmm. would be here forever. <laughs> That's true. Like 5,000 years <laughs> of expulsions and persecution and, and, right. and genocide and, and uh, pogroms. And I don't even know what I've left out. Like there's just so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, I will say when it comes to specifically comic books and Jewish representation, I think there are yes misconceptions that people have about the Jews. The biggest one is the fact that it's an ethno-religious identity. Right. Now, first, I'm going to preface: I'm not a theologian. I am a secular, relatively secular Jew, mm-hmm. um, so I'm not an expert on Judaism, the faith. Right. But I do. It is something I believe in. Right. Right. Um, and so there's a couple, so the biggest misconception is that Judaism is just a religion when it's not, it's an ethno-religious identity Right. where one person's faith and observance does not change their ethnic identity. Right. It does not change their genetic makeup. Like, you know, you know, if a family and friends take the DNA test and they find out they're like, you know, 99.99% Ashkenazi Jewish or Mizrahi Jewish or Sephardic Jewish, which is Jews that come from different areas of the Jewish diaspora, right? Mm-hmm. So the Ashkenazi Jews are Jews that were expelled and found themselves in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mizrahi Jews are the Jews uh, that lived in the Middle East and North Africa. Mm-hmm. And Sephardic Jews tend to be Jews from Spain and Portugal. And I think sometimes Morocco. Right. Yeah. So and then, you know, places like Turkey, you have kind of like mix of, you know, Sephardic and Mizrahi Jews. And most of us differ in like, I think that's the one thing that people just don't know is that there's like different kinds of Jews and Jewish identity. Right. Right. Yeah. Because of where we ended up in the diaspora, our experiences are different. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, religious practices are a little bit different. Um, You know, Ashkenazi Jews are, you know, very jealous because there's certain things that Mizrahi Jews can eat on Passover that Ashkenazi Jews can't. Mm, Um, Things like that. So there's like, but again, the experiences are different, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jews from the Middle East and North Africa, most of the Middle East and North Africa doesn't doesn't have a Jewish community anymore. Right, right. Um, You know, so there's so... So I think the diversity of the Jewish community mm-hmm. and the diversity of experiences, because, for example, like a J- Jewish person from Ukraine and the former Soviet Union has a completely different Jewish experience than a Jewish person from, I don't know, Denmark or France or Germany. Right. 
Um, so there's also differences in tradition, like maybe just cultural traditions Mm -hmm. or experiences. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that, that, I think that that's, 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 that's a separate, like separate (laughs) conversation. Yeah. (laughs) But the, the gist of it here is that Jewish experience is not just the quote unquote American Jewish experience. Right. And even within the quote unquote American Jewish experience, there's so much differences depending on where you are geographically, mm-hmm. what your Jewish community looks like. You know, you can't really say that like all oh, the Jew- like the Jewish community in, say, New York is exactly the same as the Jewish community in Miami. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of differences and a lot of diversity. And in comics or in pop culture, we don't really see that diversity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, there's like. 5,000 other things I could say, but I think that's the, <laughs> going off what you said, that's the biggest thing that comes to my mind. Right. Yeah. You know, I, you're, you're exactly right. There's a lot of things that we can go into that, but thank you for kind of, you know, giving us the, the, the bigger picture in terms of things that we not, might not be aware of when it comes to Judaism. Um, so let's dive into about Jewish representation in comics. And so the first question I want to ask you is, is what's the current issue with that representation in comics. And, and the, one of the reasons, I, I didn't say this earlier, so I apologize, but one of the reasons why I want to have you on the show to talk about this is because I know in our uh, Comic Watch community, um, we have Jewish uh, writers on the team, and there's been a lot of conversations about that in comics and also media and things like that. And so I thought it was a really interesting conversation for me to read about as an outsider, um, you know, just kind of reading and seeing what you all had to say about that. Um, so that's one reason why I want to bring you on here, because I know you have brought up some really good points about, um, you know, the current issues of Jewish representation in comics. So, sorry, I, I didn't mean to preface all that there, but yeah. So, what's what's the general issues or the current issues with Jewish representation in comics today? Oh, we're going to be here all night, aren't we? I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let, let, so, let's let's do like top three. How about that? <laughs> I think there's a lack of Jewish existence. In mm. comics, in the sense that, yes, you have Kitty Pride and she's in the comics. You have Magneto, you have, you know, Batwoman and Ben Grimm and Billy Kaplan and this like slew of like different Jewish characters. Mm-hmm. But how many comics actually let them be Jewish mm-hmm. outside of holiday specials? Right. Or in Magneto's case, outside of the Holocaust. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's not to diminish like the power and importance of Magneto's existence as a Holocaust survivor. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's like the only conversation we have around Magneto. Right. And the other part is so Jewish characters aren't really allowed to be Jewish in a significant space. It's more like here's a holiday special or here's a Jewish wedding, which is amazing. Like Marvel is the only comic company that I know that had two Jewish weddings mm-hmm. um, or any Jewish weddings as far as I know. Right. Um, so the first being Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters had a Jewish wedding in Fantastic Four. And Billy Kaplan and Teddy Altman had a gay Jewish space wedding um, <laughs> in uh, Empire Aftermath, which brought me to tears um, yeah. of joy. So because, like, I didn't think we could have that. Yeah. Um, and so it's a lot of ignorance. I think there's a little bit of ignorance, too, because you don't have as many. And I could be wrong about this because I don't work in the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. But from just casual observation um, as a fan, I think there's significantly less Jewish involvement in comic books. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think everybody knows that the entire comic book industry was founded 
by these young Jewish people who craved and wanted a hero. You know, Siegel and Schuster created Superman mm-hmm. to to, you know, be a hero for the Jewish community, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of these, I think uh Simcha Weinstein, I think that's his name. He wrote a book called Up, Up and Oive, which gives you kind of it's a great title. I right? love that. Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> um, it's a really great read for people that don't know the Jewish connection of the comic book industry. Mm-hmm. Because you have Siegel and Schuster, you have Bill Finger, you have, you know, Kirby and Simon and then Goodman and Lee and and so many others. And then they created characters that on the surface might not look Jewish, might not be Jewish, but they have so much Jewishness in them. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Pete's sake, like I think every every Jew knows Superman is Jewish. Right. You know, his name is Kal-El. <laughs> and, you know, the, there's like all of these references and subtleties. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of Jewish coding. But right. until you get to characters like Magneto and Kitty Pride and Van Grimm, even though for Ben, it was revealed a little bit later. You don't really have many conversations about being Jewish. Right. Um, you know, there's a couple of comics written by Chris Claremont that come to mind where like Kitty talks about, um, you know, being a kid and having her first crush. And then her crush says something anti-Semitic and then she punches him in the nose or something. <laughs> like, yeah, I've been yeah. there. Wish I could have done that. Right. Um, you know, so there are those moments like. Um, most recently, again, Kitty Pride in the Brian Michael Bendis's X-Men run, she talks about what it means to be a, be Jewish and a mutant. And I think there's an interesting allegory because for a lot of folks, sometimes we're kind of forced to pick our other identities over our Jewish identity. Mm-hmm. Um, spe- I, I, like I, I'm not an expert on the queer community, but and I would never pretend to be. Um, but I've seen and had conversations about, you know, what it means to be Jewish and gay or mm-hmm. and, you know, sometimes there's like this pressure that like you're not allowed to be both because like people aren't just one thing. Right. We're right. a combination of different identities and different characteristics and experiences. And so I'm getting off topic by the I think there's a lack of space for exploration of Jewish identity in comics. Mm-hmm. I think there's definitely not enough Jewish writers and artists and editors in comics anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think there is a little bit of an ignorance as to whether it's willful or not, we can debate. But I think there is an ignorance when it comes to listening um, to Jewish voices on issues. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the last bit is and I don't know if this is like. Sometimes I think people don't understand that although like the Jewish experience in America is significantly like more prosperous than it was in say like the pogroms under the czar for the Jewish community. Right. We do. We are technically a minority in this country. Mm-hmm. And we can debate the question of like, you know, to what extent the Jewish community has assimilated, but that's a very general topic. And it's right. like, it's hard to generalize the Jewish community in America because it's so diverse. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's, I think, and, and that ties into that bit about how Jews are not viewed as an ethno religious identity. People think it's just the religion. Right. So it's sort of like seeing Jews as like, Oh, they're just like the white people that like wear the funny hats. Right. Right. Um, as opposed to being a specific a- a ethnic community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
even though like obviously like not all Jews are white or, you know, have those Eastern European features. Right. Et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's another big thing is is people not realizing that it's it, just like what you said earlier. It's it's very diverse in terms of of ethnicity and, and uh, backgrounds and stuff like that. Um, one of the things that I have also thought about, and you tell me if I'm kind of off the mark on this, but um, I, I know there's been some conversations about, you know, how in the early ages of comics, you know, in the golden age and then kind of creeping into the silver age as well, too is that you don't see a lot of Jewish representation necessarily. And part of it is because the country was still very anti-Semitic then. And so when they were writing some of their characters, there's been, I think there's been some uh, conversation about like how they didn't want to, you know, make that prominent because of that. Um, And so I wonder if, if that's, if that's your understanding as well too, or if I'm completely off the mark or. I don't think you're off the mark. I think it's just, it's, it's not quite cut and dry. I think to some extent you're right. Anti-Semitism for sure played a big, big part, especially because, you know, they, they changed their names a little bit so that Mm -hmm. it was like kind of more neutral, you know, Jacob Kurtzberg became Jack Kirby. Right. Um, and things like that. And part of it was like also because the stigma of like, oh, you're a comic book writer. It's like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I don't write that under my real name because eventually I'm going to, you know, like Stanley always talked about how yeah. he was going to go on to write like the great American novel or whatever <laughs> it was. Um, and he wanted to keep his like last name, Stanley Lieber, for that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even though that never, as far as I know, <laughs> never happened. Yeah. Um, but. I think for that generation of um, Jews, there was a need to and it's not a, it's not a bad thing, mm-hmm. but there was a need for acceptance and a need to assimilate and to blend in because the these were children of immigrants. Right. Um, I believe Jack Kirby's parents had J- Kirby's parents had immigrated from. I'm not going to say where because I'm probably going to get it wrong, but had immigrated from Europe. And so, you know, there there was like. There was a desire to fit in and be like mm-hmm. the other kids and the other folks. And, you know, that's something that I think that's I've struggled with as well, because, like, I don't feel like sometimes that I fit in with like the, the, the whatever the quote unquote American Jewish community is. Right. Right. Um, but there are times where I also don't feel like I fit in with the non-Jewish American world. Mm-hmm. And and, you know, so it's. I think that's I think that played a part in it. But I think the other thing and this is I where it delve into like the latter half is I think the concept of conscious representation didn't always come up. It wasn't something that was consciously I think at the forefront of their thinking. Mhm. You know? Right. Um it's it's definitely a different, you know, conversations that they had then than what we're having now about about those things. So yeah, I, I totally see that. So thank you. Um, so now that we talked about some of the issues with representation in comics, um, what's a really good example of Jewish representation in comics for you that, you know, if, if you had to tell somebody like, this is how a great character or story that represents Judaism or the Jewish people in comics, what, what would be an example of that? So that's hard because there are great moments of mm. Jewish representation that I've outlined. Right. But there isn't like a strictly like Jewish comic that is like, w- at least within the big two that I can think of. The most recent one, though, although um, Whistle from DC Comics 
which came out as a graphic novel, I think last year, two years ago, Mm -hmm. it was written by a Jewish writer, I believe. And I thought it could have done a little bit more with the exploration of identity and, you know, standing up for the Jewish community aspect. Mm -hmm. But it does feature a Jewish character as the lead. Mm -hmm. And it goes through her journey of like her mom. And there is some talk about like what it means to be Jewish and how people treat other Jews and or how people treat Jews, excuse me. Um, so that is, I think, a first for me. There are, a, there's like, you know, independent comic books, um, that have come out more recently that I'm still trying to get my hands on, mm-hmm. um, to kind of see how they tackle that question. Um, the one that people tend to always recommend to, to me is The Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that has some of those elements as well mm-hmm. because it echoes so much of like the early comic book industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of mainstream superhero comics, which is to, in, in case this wall behind me is an obvious <laughs> tends to be my area of expertise. Right. Um, I think there's a lot of really good moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anytime you read anything about Magneto and his struggle as a Holocaust survivor, um, really resonates very well. There's a moment even as part of the story. I, I can't remember what issue it is. It's in, it's in X-Men 200 something, maybe. Okay. Maybe it's in this one. Uh, it's Uncanny X-Men 200. Um, but within some of those issues, um, as part of like, I don't know, Magneto's like repentance or him trying to be a good guy, he and Kitty Pride end up going to an, a kind of a reunion for Holocaust survivors. Mm. And Kitty talks about, I think her aunt, um, who was a survivor who had passed away recently. Mm-hmm. And several people recognize Magneto as the person that like saved them or something like that. Oh. So that's a really powerful moment, yeah. I think, for Magneto and for the the um the other one is X-Men Magneto's Testaments, which was I think five issues that came out uh, 2005, maybe. Mm-hmm. It explores Magneto's childhood as a Holocaust survivor. And is the first comic to actually reveal that Eric Lencher is not his birth name. Because Lencher is not a Jewish last name at all in any way. I think it translates to like feudal lord or something. Oh. <laughs> uh, like even okay. if the Jews had to pick last names, right. this was not what they would have chosen. <laughs> right. Um, so it talks about his childhood as this little Jewish kid named Max in mm-hmm. Nuremberg, I think, in Germany. And how at one point he's basically just like kicked out of school, even though this is the school he's been going to every, you know, every day. Right. Because he's Jewish and Jews aren't allowed to go to school with the German kids anymore. Mm-hmm. And it, I think, covers how he arrives to the concentration camp, his experience in the camp, and then ultimately escaping the camp with Magda. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read it in a while, but it it was so strong. Um I think any time you have a comic like Mouse or like Magneto's Testament that like brings that to you, not just in a written way, but in a visual way. Right. It just, I don't know, like I can't watch Holocaust movies, but for some reason, comic books resonate with me in this way. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I can get through them in a way that I can't do with books or movies. And maybe that's just me being weird. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, I think that's, there's a few, like I said, there's great moments, like when Mag, uh, when uh, Ben Grimm um, realizes that he's like in his 13th year of being the thing. Mm-hmm. 
And he ends up having like his a second bar mitzvah. I jokingly call it the thing mitzvah. Um, I love and, that. You know, he, he reads from the Torah. Uh-huh. And he has previously he had like a moment with a gentleman in his neighborhood mm-hmm. who was Jewish. And I think he got attacked or something and he was there for him. So there are these beautiful moments. And of course, the gay Jewish space wedding that I will talk to you until I cannot talk anymore. Um, because it's so good and it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And Billy Kaplan, to, to the surprise of absolutely no one who's met me for more than five minutes, um, is like my absolute favorite Jewish, but my favorite character, I think, in all of comics in general, let alone Jewish ones. Right. But So there are these moments and there are these like, you know, one-offs parts that are not part of the main story. But, you know, if you look at Daredevil, if you look at Nightcrawler, if you look at Miss Marvel, if you look at, um, you know, uh, Monet St. Croix, Mm -hmm. um, there are comics that talk about faith and religion. Mm -hmm. They talk about religious observance. They talk about the struggle of faith. They talk about what it means to be a religious person in a secular community. All of these things that are so important and they're wonderful. We don't really get that. Right. Right. So I would love to see like, but again, like you have Jewish moments. Um, Moon Knight in a later um, arc that the character has, they do like a retcon of his childhood mm-hmm. as um, a little bit of like him growing up in an Orthodox community and his experiences there. Right. Um, his first comic really talked about him like, or no, sorry, same comic. Maybe it was a different one. Too many comic book runs. <laughs> um, you know, talked about him facing anti-Semitism and getting beat up because not only was he Jewish, you know, mm-hmm. he wore a kippah. He was he could be visibly identified in some way um, as Jewish. So that, that's a good point that you brought up, because I think that also goes into kind of my next question or at least topic of discussion is how these things also translate into the the big screen, whether it's movies or, you know, streaming shows or television shows <sighs> and moon Knight, I will say this, like, even though I am not Jewish, I'm, you know, a, a former Catholic and all that. I will say that the way that moon Knight was treated in the Disney plus series, I was a little bit disappointed about the Jewish representation. And, and the biggest thing I, I would say that, I was already a little bit disappointed, but I think what doubled down on that is I remember reading the producer or the director of uh, Moon Knight saying that he believes that everyone would be really happy with how they handle his Jewish identity and representation in the show. And for me, when I saw it, it was like two scenes that didn't really contribute to the story. Like if you took those things out. It, it wouldn't have changed the story. And so I, I was really flabbergasted by how they thought this was, you know, a great representation. And I don't know, you know, all the intricacies, but I would not have said that. So knowing, you know, that Moon Knight is a very Jewish character. And then when it gets translated to the screen, that was a little bit of disappointment for me. But I also know that you have a lot of thoughts on not just Moon Knight, but like those things happening, because there is a lot yeah. that we're probably not having enough conversations about to talk about how Jewish representation is still kind of falling to the wayside when we're translating those uh, comics onto the big screen as well. So this cuts into, you know, what I'll be talking about at Comic-Con, but there's a couple things at play and I will, I'll talk about Moon Knight. Um, mm-hmm. So first look at the original X-Men films. Um, yes. And we can debate whether or not a Jewish actor should always play a Jewish character or not, mm-hmm. but 
at the end of the day, there's never been a Jewish actor to play the Jewish characters. At the very least, Magneto's experiences were still included. Mm -hmm. Right. Nobody ever forgot that Magneto was a Holocaust survivor. But Mm -hmm. look at Kitty Pride, who um, was played by Elliot Page in in, um, in X-Men 3 and then Days of Future Past. Right. Um, you know, in the first one, you could argue she was a minor character. She didn't really do all that much, but okay. <laughs> but in Days of Future Past, like, I, I still get angry when I think about that movie and many people don't, be, but Days of Future Past took Kitty's story. Mm-hmm. Like, Kitty's the one to go back in time. And not only did they give that story to Wolverine, which <laughs> I thought was hilarious. And then Brian Singer was like, well, this is the mode of time travel we use. And I'm like, have you read it? There's like a billion different time travel methods you can use. And for all of the talk that Wolverine had to go back in time to bring Charles and Eric back together, which he didn't even succeed in. Yeah. Like, you know, like, okay, fine. That aside. But so not only do you kind of sideline Kitty Pride in her own story, in mm. the rope cut, she gets sidelined even further. Yeah. But she never, and this is the other problem, Jewish characters very rarely share screen time. And when they do, they never talk about anything Jewish. And it's not to say they can't have conversation about other things. Right. But, like, I was kind of hoping that, like, Kitty and, you know, Ian McKellen's Magneto were going to talk about the fact that, like, this is, like, a genocide on a scale the world has never seen and how that affects them. Mm-hmm. Um, something similar happened with, um, in the Arrowverse, in one of the crossovers, they had, like, an EarthX crossover where they go to, like, Nazi world. Yeah. And... So on the Earth X crossover, you have like the legends and arrow characters and Felicity Smoke, who's Jewish and Dr. Stein, who's Jewish, Mm -hmm. who's actually a rabbi. And the two literally never have a conversation, as far as I remember, about the fact that they're on Nazi world. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'm a Jewish person. Yeah. And I'm in this. I'm like, I wouldn't want to leave the ship. Like, forget anything else. Like, uh uh-uh. I'm like, you you can't. No, 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 no. Uh -uh. (laughs) I'm getting back on the ship and I'm hightailing it back to Earth one. Right. Right. Yeah, that's that's interesting because um, I didn't even know about those things about those characters. So yeah, I mean, it, that is def, that's definitely an oversight that you think somebody would have brought that to someone's attention. And no, yeah, <laughs> but that leads to another problem. I think you there's a lack of Jewish people in the room who are, you know, comfortable, content, and proud of their Jewish identity to speak up for this kind of thing, right? So, like, to go back to Moon Knight, because I wasn't going to let that go. Um, (laughs) Moon Knight, as far as I could tell between the writers, the directors, the creative team, didn't have a single Jewish person. There's one Jewish person that I found in the credits Mm -hmm. who is in charge of the Hebrew Immigrant Aid Society. She's a rabbi. Can't remember her name right now. And she's listed as a consultant. And I was like. You hired a consultant and this is what you gave us. <laughs> right. Either they asked her the wrong questions or they ignored the advice she gave them. Because right. I don't understand how I, I bet you anything. And I hope the, you know, the, the showrunner will respond to me about this. Like, <laughs> like no, no ill will towards them. But I'm I'm just thinking, like, did you just call her and ask her a couple questions about what a shit, what like Jewish funeral practices are? Right. Yeah. And like, and even then, like if there somebody wrote an article about how I think they were going to because of um, Oscar Isaac's being cast as my, as Moon Knight, they were going to lean more into the Sephardic background of the character. Oh, okay. Except they really they didn't. <laughs> um, 
not in the Shiva or any point. So let's right. get to Moon Knight. Yes, the creator, the showrunner, whoever they were in the show, people tweeted at him. And instead of just not saying anything, <laughs> he said, wait till the end. You won't be disappointed. Yeah. And a friend of mine texted me this. And I said, I think I'm going to be anyway. <laughs> that being said, I didn't come into the show hoping to be disappointed. Right. It wasn't like within my, like, I didn't want to be disappointed. I wanted to have a positive juice curtain. Granted, Mark Spector has a very complicated relationship with everything, <laughs> um, but especially his Jewish identity, whether it's ethnic or religious, because of how he grew up and the experiences that he had. Mm -hmm. And the show didn't show any of that, didn't even say that. Right. They gave him an abusive mom that didn't exist in the comics. Right. They didn't even note that his father was a rabbi, even though, like, literally the first time his father <laughs> appears on a panel. Yeah. Like, he yeah. just, like, like, I don't understand. Um, But, okay, fine. <laughs> um, And then you get to this, you get, like, the two background Shiva scenes. And keep in mind, Mark never interacts with anything Jewish. Right. He doesn't attend either Shiva, which, like, first of all, I don't think children attend Shivas, which are, like, you know. um. Mm -hmm. But fine. Okay, he doesn't interact with anything Jewish. The only Jewish moment we have with him is this moment where he like cries and drops his keeper to the ground. I'm not gonna lie. First time I watched it, I started laughing. No kidding. Hundred percent laughing my ass off because the moment had zero emotional impact for me. Mm -hmm. I had absolutely no clue what the heck he was crying at. Was he crying about his dead mom, his lost childhood, his kippa? Because right. then he like picks up the kippa and he like clutches it and cries more. And I'm like, this, is he crying over the kippa? Like, was the kippa like right? And somebody was like, well, the Judaism connected to his mom. And I'm like, how? Right. We never see it. Right. His mother, as far as we can tell, didn't use Judaism to abuse him. Mm -hmm. We don't even really see him abuse him other than verbally. Thank God. I, don't, I would not have wanted to see that. Right. But, right. you know, so you have these like ridiculous things that are supposed to like give us. They're there for backstory for the character. Mm -hmm. But you have to explain to us in some way, shape or form what they mean. Mm -hmm. Why do we care that Mark threw the keep on the ground and then clutched it and cried about it? Mm -hmm. it nothing it has zero emotional impact for the audience if a jewish person cannot understand how a jewish character has it like what that means to him right then how can not jewish people understand that mm -hmm. right and so you know i wrote about this in my comics watch article about marvel's jewish voices and wh where are they article mm. and it was just such an empty scene that they could have cut it completely yeah. and just left it with Mark, like, you know, waving to his dad, walking back, crying, falling to the ground and waking up as uh, uh, um, Jay. Uh, no, not Jay. Not Jay. Um, uh, Mark Steven. or Steven. Sorry. Yeah. Steven. <laughs> and then just walked away like nothing. Like it was a well acted scene. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But that's all it had going for it. Right. I like I like you can tell like even like a year after it came out I'm still like I'm still livid about yeah. it because I don't understand how you can tell us we won't be disappointed and then like not even think consciously about like well are people going to understand what happened here yeah and I hope I think the 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 issue is at the end of the day is that 
the show didn't focus on Mark. He's like a secondary character, honestly. Right. The focus is on Steven mm-hmm. and Honshu, right? Yeah, yeah. And the one thing that I really, the comics finally addressed this, and I was hoping the show would, was this idea of a Jewish guy. Right. Becoming a vessel mm-hmm. for an Egyptian god. Right. Like, there's yeah. some like, this is like biblical level. Like, exactly. Like, are you... That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so there's a scene, and I think the last episode, spoilers for Moon Knight, um, <laughs> where Layla gets the chance to become a vessel for that, the, the hippo goddess. And oh, she's yes. like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. And I was like, wait, so she can have this discussion, but Mark can't? You're right. Yeah. You know, yeah, and I'm glad it was. It was a good discussion because you're essentially giving away a part of yourself to to an, a, a you know deity of some kind that you might not even believe it. And right. like, you know, there's like I'm glad that they addressed that for Layla, but I'm like, we couldn't get like a two second <laughs> conversation between Mark and Kanchu. Yeah, no, right, okay, right. So then you get into the question of like, should a Jewish actress play Jewish characters and you know, acting is acting. And I don't think in every instance for every single character, you always need a Jewish actor. Mm-hmm. But the more nonsensical Jewish representation, I'm going to put air quotes around that at this point, right? that I see, the more I'm convinced you need to. But it can't just be a Jewish actor on the screen. It has to be Jewish people behind the scenes, too. Mm-hmm. So I, ca- I coined something called the Afi Coleman effect. Okay. It was... It came out of my detest for the Fantastic Four movie that came out in 2016. <laughs> the one everybody called Fanforstic. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, there's a scene where we meet young Ben Grimm and he crosses into his parents' home. Uh-huh. And there's a menorah on the shelf. That blink and you missed that menorah was the only indication that Ben was Jewish. Right. It was never referenced, mentioned again, and the menorah never appeared either. So that is the Afi Coleman effect. Mm-hmm. It is the re- idea of represent. It's a fake promise of representation you're not going to get. Mm-hmm. Similarly, in the Hawkeye show, which takes place uh, in the run up to Christmas, mm-hmm. there's a moment where Kate is and Clint are talking, and they're at her aunt's apartment. Right. And there's a menorah in the background, Yikes. and I just went, "What? What the heck is this? This is a prop. <laughs> this is an awkward background decoration right. that they set up because Haley Steinfeld is Jewish." Mm-hmm. Which, like, kudos that they put it there. Right. But everybody's like, Kate is Jewish. Kate is Jewish. I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> Never been a thing in the comics. If you yeah. want to make her Jewish, like, I fine, go for it. Right. By all means, go for it. But you can't just put a menorah in the background. Right. And call it good. That's not representation. Right. That's like, it's sort of like when you have a really big blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. Right. And you want to show how diverse it is. And the way that you show it's diverse, there's like one gay character that appears in like two seconds as like a like a store clerk. Right. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not representation. Right. Mm -hmm. So then why would we not accept that as represent? Why would we call this out as not representation for certain groups? But we would accept this as representation for the Jewish community. And it felt like I felt like the producers put it there just like, yeah, we got to do something because Hanukkah like this. Right. Like you're, 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 you have a show with Christmas celebrating characters mm-hmm. in a run up to Christmas. 
that menorah means literally nothing. Right. Like it would have been fine if it wasn't there. Like really. Yeah. Well, and and just as you said, it was at her uh, aunt's house, right? Or her aunt's apartment. So and we don't even know who this aunt is or how they're related. Yes, exactly. Because it could be her aunt from like, you know, her mom's you know brother married her or something like that. Right. And so it could be that like her aunt is Jewish, but she's not because mm-hmm. they're, you know, related by marriage as opposed to, um, you know, bloods and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I'm just saying like, it's it, just like what you said, it's, it's not established or clear why that menorah was there. And it's almost like yeah. kind of cheap points, you know, for them to kind of put something in there and be like, here you go, you know, like representation. What's even funny <laughs> is like, we don't even know if this aunt is in any way related, whether by marriage or by blood to Kate. Right. She could be like one of those, like, you know, mom's college, you know, like dorm mom or something that, you know, kind of got adopted into the family. It could be like anything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's ridiculous. And now, of course, because I know when you asked, like, what I wanted to bring up, this is one of the things. Um, <laughs> Joe Locke, who was the character, the actor from Heartstoppers, he played Charlie, right. has been cast in an undisclosed role for Agatha Coven of Chaos. Mm-hmm. And the speculation by pretty much every, well, maybe not everyone, the, the vast majority and one, like, leaker person mm-hmm. um, or commentator says that he's playing Billy Kaplan. Mm-hmm. Now... Joe Locke, as far as I know and have been able to Google, is not Jewish. Right. Um, the casting call for the character that he's been cast in, which was a leading character, did not specify a Jewish actor. Mm-hmm. It specified a gay actor, which great, phenomenal. Right. Um, if he is playing Billy, there's two problems here. One, Joe Locke is not Jewish. And two, Marvel studios specifically chose not to look for a jewish actor mm-hmm. they didn't even specify that in the casting call right so you know joe Locke is a young actor i think this is a, like second major role that he's ever had mm-hmm. um you know if i got cast in you know in, in a marvel movie and maybe i wasn't the right religion or ethnicity like i i don't know i would probably struggle whether i could accept that kind of role mm-hmm. and like, I want to say that, like, yeah, for sure, I would, like, totally reject it and throw it away. But I can't say that. Like, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to do. You don't know what, like, you're being told versus, like, what your agent and the producers are telling you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I don't begrudge him for accepting this role. I. It's also entirely possible that he doesn't know the character is Jewish if he is playing Billy Kaplan, because it all depends on the comic's. We don't know what kind of comics he was given to read. And the unfortunate problem with certain comics and certain writers is the question of Jewish erasure, which is essentially what I've kind of been talking around. Right. The erasing of a character's background or identity or or ethnicity or something about them that is like a key part of who he is. Mm -hmm. Billy Kaplan is, you know, if the wedding wasn't obvious, he's Jewish. Right. He's, he identifies as Jewish, a character he's never met knew he was Jewish um, in the prelude to Children's Crusade in Uncanny X-Men 526. See, that one I remember. <laughs> um, Dr. Nemesis. Uh, so they're on Genosha or what's left of Genosha. Mm-hmm. And Magneto is like recovering from something. I don't know what it was. And he talks to Dr. Nemesis and Dr. Nemesis has this like collage of like different, the, the young Avengers. 
And he talks, he, he like talks about each of the characters and Billy and Tommy are last. And he says, oh, and this is, you know, Wiccan, who some people, you know, he though calls himself Wiccan is actually Jewish. And some speculate that he and his speedster, you know, the speedster Tommy are your grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Nemesis doesn't know Billy's real name. Right. But he somehow knows he's Jewish. <laughs> and, you know, so people are like, well, he's not like. He doesn't have like strong Jewish identity in the comics. I'm like, that's not the fault of the character. That's the fault of writers who, um, you know, for whatever reason, chose not to include a lot of that, right. which like fine. But he's also a character whose Jewish identity has been erased in multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from a comment about him being a lapsed Jew, which like, you know, you can be a lapsed Catholic, but you cannot be a lapsed Jew. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and other, like, the Death Said comic, I think, is one of the most egregious examples where Billy is drawn in, like, this goth fashion with, like, cross earrings. Like, look, I, I've met a lot of secular Jews. I've met Jews who are atheist Jews. Even, like, you know, Jews that are, like, very much not religious. Mm-hmm. But they don't wear crosses either. Uh, I was about to you say, yeah. I mean? <laughs> Again, it's not all bad. But this is something that is the unfortunate reality. Mm-hmm. Um. That like, yes, I'm so sorry. Billy doesn't walk around every comic book and say, hey, I'm Jewish. Hey, did I tell you I'm Jewish? <laughs> By the way, I'm Jewish. Yeah. But he has these visible Jewish moments. Like, again, a character he didn't know he was Jewish, mm-hmm. knew he was Jewish. Mm-hmm. He, In his own internal monologue, he describes himself as a gay Jewish Avenger. Right. He has a Jewish wedding. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you can't just tell me this person's Jewish identity doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it's not literally, it's not, you know, Magneto being a Holocaust survivor, mm-hmm. but it is a part of who he is. It's his ethnic right. identity. Parents are a cardiologist and a psychologist. That is like, you know, j- joking, like, <laughs> right. obviously joking, but like, how Jewish can you get when both of your parents are doctors? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but joking aside, that is a real concern and it's devolved into like a whole slew on Twitter that I've sort of backed away from because I'm just like, this is too much. Like I, that's a lot of mental headspace I don't have right now Mm -hmm. when I don't even know if he's playing Billy, but I am genuinely concerned because look, Wanda Maximoff's entire Romani identity was completely erased. Right. Yeah. Right. And, you know, even if we don't include the, her being, you know, Magneto's daughter and being Jewish through him, all of that jazz, which never, like, as far as I remember, was not like, a, it is a part of who she is. And the Red Skull definitely let her know she was Jewish. <laughs> but it's not something that she herself has explored. Right. So, okay. that Like, we can, I can personally, I know not everyone can, but I can forgive them for not including the Jewish side of this. Right. The Romani side not being included is, like, absolutely unacceptable. Mm. Right. Moon Knight. <laughs> that speaks for itself. But on the flip side to Moon Knight, mm-hmm. you have Miss Marvel. Right. Miss Marvel is um like first, like we can talk about changes to her powers. Like that doesn't matter in this case. Right. Um she struggles with who she is. Like mm-hmm. hey, every teenager that comes from an immigrant background struggles with who they are and how they fit into this world. Right. Yeah. Um. So her parents came from Pakistan and they carry a lot of the history and trauma mm-hmm. with the partition and everything, even though like they were they were born after the partition. Right. Right. But they still have that. And I was like, that resonated with me. Like, 
we carry a lot of the like we carry that trauma. Yeah, it's not compared. Like it's very different, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that resonated with me. I was like, yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. You know, her being a kid and just wanting to be normal, and you know, her parents like that. Everybody can resonate with you know a kid wanting to break away from the traditions of their parents, whether you're Muslim or Catholic or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. And the show never let us forget who Kamala is and what makes her this amazing young woman. It's not that she's just a young woman. Mm -hmm. It's just that she comes from this beautiful, you know, Pakistani Muslim family. And the casting is on point. I think overwhelmingly everybody cast was either Pakistani Muslim or Indian or Pakistani and Muslim. Um, And so like a lot, you can tell a lot of attention and effort and love went into not just making what I thought was a great series, but really tackling these complex issues of the partition Mm -hmm. and the chaos that ensued, even though it's a very minor part of the story, Mm -hmm. it gets its moment to really tell you about it and to you get to sit in that space, you know, metaphorically speaking. Right, right. And you get to see Kamala sort of find her niche because she doesn't hate who she is. She's very proud of who she is. She doesn't hate being Muslim. She doesn't hate being Pakistani or anything like that. Mm -hmm. She she's just trying to figure out how to be herself while still being the person and respecting her family and faith and heritage. Mm -hmm. And that's throughout the course of the entire show. And I got to be honest, I was so jealous watching this. I was so incredibly I can understand, yeah. <laughs> my first reaction was, this is beautiful. Yeah. And I am never going to get to see this for myself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I mean, I agree because Miss Marvel did a great job of, and just like what you said, including that identity of her being Pakistani and Muslim as part of the show. And not just, you know, as what I call like a throwaway, where it's like, here, you know, this this is representation of who they are, you know. Now we can move on type of thing. But we see multiple scenes in their, you know, in the mosque that they attend and multiple, you know, um, uh, I know they were celebrating one holiday, but just multiple instances of where the um, Islamic practice is being you know, portrayed and things like that. And it, it, it's a great mm-hmm. example of how you can incorporate those things of the identity and make it part of the story that's natural and great and, and everything about that. So I, I agree completely that that's a really good show that kind of shows that this can be done and done well. And it's just unfortunate. And it also, <laughs> aside from that, it also tackled prejudice really well. Yes. You know, there's a scene where like the agents storm the mosque. Yes. And they're like, yeah, we're used to this. Like, you can't really intimidate us anymore. Right. Like, weren't you? Don't you have like listening devices planted? I'm like, oh, you went there. Yeah. Um, like it's routine for them. Like, like their response is routine. It, it's still routine for them to, you know, just storm the mosque. That's routine for their reaction as well, too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Also, I love the part where the two boys, one who's Muslim and one who isn't, are running away, and the <laughs> imam gives them the hats when yes. the one says haram and the one says halal. Yeah. <laughs> I laughed probably for five minutes. <laughs> I had to pause it to just laugh about it. Um, and there's a beautiful scene where um, I think it's midway through the show mm-hmm. where Kamala has this conversation with her imam about or what was his name? Sheikh Abdullah, I believe his name was. Right. And 
you know, about like the question of like doing the right thing and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, being a hero and what that means and like how he and how the Sheik views um, this, you know, mysterious figure that later becomes Miss Marvel. And I'm just like, where, show me where I, you've ever seen a character have an earnest conversation with a rabbi and asking for advice mm-hmm. in like any show, in any movie. Actually, well, okay. Uh, the, the one thing I can think of is in Robin Hood Men in Tight. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that would make know, sense. Yeah. Robin Hood and, <laughs> you know, Robin Hood actively, he doesn't like, they don't show us him actually, you know, seeking advice from the rabbi, but he says, you know, rabbi, will you share with us some of your wisdom and perhaps some of your wine? I'm like, yeah. you know, like that's, that's a humorous example, obviously. Right. And, you know, that's not even tackling like the religious Jewish side of this, which is like, where does it even exist in comics? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, Nightcrawler, Miss Marvel, these are really devoted characters to not just being a hero or a mutant or whatever, but to being of their faith. Right. Yeah. You know, by yes, we have like one scene of Ben Grimm doing his thing mitzvah at the synagogue, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, but and like, but, you know, there's a lot again, there's like moments, but there's no storylines and they're very few and far between comparatively. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for this great conversation. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed this. This, this is really good to hear, um, you know, your perspective about Jewish representation in comics. And then this was just a fantastic conversation. So I really appreciate Hopefully that. I wasn't too ranting. Oh, no. You know, I have feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I could not tell at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Well, and I completely understand that as well, too. I, you know, and I, I think I share that with you. Like, you know, even though I'm not Jewish, just that whole thing with Moon Knight, I was like, I'm, I was disappointed myself. I'm not even part of that community. You know, it's just, yeah. So I, I totally get that. So, but thank you for sharing all that and giving us insight about representation in comics. Um, I like to end this episode with talking about the comics that we're reading. So to start off with, I want to share, um, what people have shared with me on uh, social media, but also in our comic watch, uh, Slack communication that we're using. So, uh, John Jack said that he is reading amazing Spider-Man currently, which I know he also just submitted a, a review for it. And he's really excited about that. And then our editor in chief, Matt Meyer said that, uh, he is reading the early bronze age of Thomas and Busima. Fantastic Four. I think I pronounced that right. I'm not sure. I think it's Bushema. Bushema. Okay. No? Okay. I, I I wasn't too far off then. <laughs> um, and then B Rats said Avengers No Surrender, the most Avengersy <laughs> Avengers story since the end of the Kurt Busiek run. So um, that's what those three are reading. And then on Twitter, I had at Luke W Henderson M said from the static and dark side of purity from Band of Bards and the gigantic beard that was evil. By Stephen Collins. I got to be honest. I don't think I've ever heard any of those comics there. Um, I've heard of Band of Bards. They're, they're like a small publisher, if I remember correctly. But I've never heard of those comics. So those are really interesting to hear about that. And I'm glad to hear that people are, you know, sharing the indie comics and not just the big two or even the I don't know what you would call like Dark Horse and Image and IDW and all that, like minor, you know, producers or publishers or whatever. But it's good to you know hear some of those indies as well, too. So. Um, so, Sasha, what comics are you currently reading? 
Uh, I'm always reading like 5,000 things at once. <laughs> so um, I, I feel you because I, I have a stack that I'm going to share. Yeah. <laughs> so I just finished reading um, some of the Avatar The Last Airbender comics and some of the oh. Avatar Korra comics. Those were really good. Yeah. My brother got me a very thick, um, I think this is this uh, Lee and Ditko Spider-Man run mm-hmm. that was reprinted. Um, so I'm really excited to delve into the, some of those early Spider-Man comics. Nice. Um, and to get a little bit indie here, one of the things I always try to reread at least once a year is Check, Please, uh-huh. which is a very sweet comic um, that was self-published. It's about hockey players. and Oh, I got to read it now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's very, it's like cozy reading. Uh-huh. And by, you know, the characters are so good and the writing is amazing. The art is so fun. And I always recommend Check, Please. Well, I, I love hockey. So the fact that you said it's about <laughs> hockey players, I'm I'm sold. So I will definitely. What Do you remember what publisher that is? I think if you just Google, I think you can actually still read the entire comic online on the website. Check, please, comic. Oh, OK. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. So and if anyone's interested, I'll try to find the link to that and, and put it in the show notes as well, too. So I but yeah, I, I definitely got to check that out now. So cool. Well, I am reading like a whole slew of comics. Um, one of them is The Last Ronin Lost Years, issue number one that just came out recently. I actually read that. Um, and I read the, you know, the five issues of the last Ronin series. And so it's, it's fantastic. Like it's, it's, it goes on, uh, top of what we've read in last Ronin and it kind of does a little like before and after type of thing, which I find really interesting. Um, and they're telling new stories about it. So I absolutely love that. So this is a really good one that I'm glad I'm pulling. Um, I want to highlight this one because this one, I got to give a shout out to um, Kim from the ODPH podcast. He's been uh, really promoting this, but this is Inferno Girl Red, and it is a brand new one. That's a cool cover. It is a very cool cover, and the art is really cool. Um, I got to say, so not to give too many details away, but you see a couple of different suits for Inferno Girl Red, and they are fantastic, and just the details are really cool. Um, this is from Image Comics, and I guess uh, from what I read, they've spent like a I think about three years making this happen. And it is, it is, um, I'm just so glad I read it because it was just phenomenal. I couldn't put it down and I just enjoyed it so much. So, um, so yeah, so I just finished that and then I need to get started on, uh, where I pull it up here. Oh no, it's this big one. Yeah. Sorry. So let me pull this up here, but I didn't realize how big this book was. But this is almost like twice the size of a regular comic book. Yeah, um, it's the whole series it's bigger than your head. I know. Like, that's the thing. Like when I came when I went to pick this up at my comic shop, I was like, is this supposed to be that big? And they're like, yeah, that's, that's how it is. I was like, I did not realize that when I ordered it. But yeah, it's a Electra, Black, White and Blood. Um, so they just had wrapped up that whole series um, a while back. I know David Peppas was on it um, as a writer. But yeah, so I'm I this is probably one of the biggest comic books. It's not thick. By any means, but in terms of, you know, the size and everything, it's probably one of the biggest ones I have that I don't even know if I'm going to be able to put on my shelf. So, um, but yeah, so those are the ones I'm reading this week and hopefully I'll get through it. So, (laughs) well, Sasha, thank you very much for joining the show. This was a pleasure talking to you about this. And I I think this is something that we're going to see more of and we're going to have to have more conversations about as well, too, especially like what you said, if we see Billy Kaplan in the MCU, that's a conversation that we need to continue about Jewish representation in comics and in the screen as well, too. Um, I did want to ask you before I let you go, where can our listeners find you and your work online? 
I mean, obviously on Comic Watch, you know, getting back into doing comic book reviews. Um, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Geeky Kaplan. Kaplan after, of course, the greatest superhero in the Marvel Universe, <laughs> Billy Kaplan. And, you know, Sean, thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. And we didn't even tackle DC Comics because, like, I just <laughs> wanted to rant about Marvel. <laughs> I know. Well, yeah, that was a whole, I mean, that, that's a whole different conversation that we could probably, maybe we'll do a follow-up sometimes, like Jewish representation <laughs> in DC Comics. <laughs> what Jewish representation in DC Comics? <laughs> Which is, you know, and, and not to get sidetracked too much, but I, I agree with it completely because I guess I never realized that Harley Quinn was Jewish until, like you said, mm-hmm. the holiday special. Um, and I don't know if this is a recent development, but I read, um, oh gosh, what's it called? I think it's Batman Catwoman um, holiday special, I think is probably where I read this at. But um, they talked about Bruce Wayne's mother being Jewish, like as kind of like the, a side conversation. And I was just like, that's the first time I've ever heard that Batman may have been Jewish, you know? And so it's, yeah. Well, his first cousin Kate Kane is Jewish yes. and the two moms, you know, were sisters. Yes. So, like- so that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah. And and I, and to be completely honest, I've never read a lot of uh, Batwoman comics. I didn't even know that detail until I think when I was, um, uh, actually I was doing some research way before this episode. I remember like just thinking about Jewish uh, characters and comics and her name came up. I was like, Oh, I didn't even know about that. So yeah, but well, um, I will make sure to put links to your social media and to your articles on comic watch and the show notes as well, too. Again, thank you very much. I would love to have you back on to talk about <laughs> Jewish representation and lack of in DC comics. Uh, but thanks again. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. I hope you enjoyed listening, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. You can follow us on social media at Caption Life. And if you like what we're doing, give us a shout-out by tagging us in your post or send us a message. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecapsonlife.com. 